0: Enjoy the Word of God. Let's pray. Okay, Dear Lord, thank you for bringing us together as we have given you our praises. May you now cleanse our hearts, open our mind, pour down your grace in terms of the light of understanding. Enlighten us. Let us see your heart, see your plan, and renew our mind to be like yours, to see things in your perspective and now change us to become your agent on earth till eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are studying the book of Jonah, and uh, today it's the fourth um, chapter. And uh, we call it, um, well, let me put this um, on a slide. Okay. The title today is It Goes Up When One Trusts in God's Heart. I try to make it cute, it kind of rhymes. Okay. Uh, the book is a well-structured grid, two ch- parts. Um, if you see chapter two, one and two, it's about saving a disobedient Hebrew servant. Chapters three and four, it's about God uh, saving a depraved Gentile nation. But if you look the uh, chapters one and three, it's about sin and punishment, and uh, two and four is about grace and understanding. So this grid, gives us a very good division of the structure. And once you know the structure, you will know, um, you can rightly divide the word of God, right? You can understand the meaning. So the background, a review of the book. Chapter one, I titled, titled it, it goes down when the right people are wrong. Well, Jonah was one of the so-called right people. He was a chosen one, member of Israel, the special nation of God. And Jonah, however, sinned in flagrant disobedience. Um, God called him to go east. He went west. And God disciplined him with an almost death by drowning. So it goes down. He literally went down to the gate through in the gate of Hades. He almost died. And in chapter 2, it served him right, but God is short of spite. So God could have killed him. He should have died because of sin. But God gracefully saved Jonah through the fish. And Jonah responded by thanksgiving and prayer. He thanked God for listening to his short prayer before he lost his consciousness. And then he wanted further deliverance and promised worship. And God did. He gave him the second chance. So in chapter 3, it may not be expected, but God can change the wicked. God gave Jonah the second chance of obedience. He did it with reservation, but it was amazingly effective. Okay. God let the fish spit the, uh, Jonah on the dry land, and he went and preached. He only gave the message of doom. He withheld the possibility of repentance and the, um, forgiveness however these people repented and God forgave them it was amazingly effective from the bottom up to to from the people to the kings so they all repented and God forgave them much to the grief of Jonah so now in chapter four we're seeing Jonah's reaction okay so let's Turn to your, open your Bible, turn to the book of Jonah and let's read the text Jonah, it's one of the little books um, It's um, behind Amos and Obadiah and before Micah Alright, so Jonah chapter 3.10 The end of each chapter is kind of a hinge between two chapters You can put in either one Uh, 3.10, is said, When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which He had declared He would bring upon them, and He did not do it. So, the people of Nineveh demonstrated true repentance. Their people amazingly had one mind, and uh, they all... um, Put on sackcloth and threw ashes on their head. And that means all our belongings are nothing. I am as good as a pauper. And uh, even though I'm now still breathing, I'm as good as dead, like buried under the dirt. So they are showing signs of repentance and uh, and, uh, uh, contrition. And... um, even the king did the same thing and he went uh, beyond he gave an edict asking not only the people but the animals join in the the signs of repentance and also he asked the the people not only give signs but actually change their behavior and I think it meant vowing not to be so cruel again as they did before in their wars and uh, The people made up their mind. They actually wanted to change. So, with these signs of repentance, how did God react? He responded by giving forgiveness. He relented the pronounced judgment. Did God do this just before on Jonah? Yeah. See, Jonah, he gave a very short prayer. God, mm, mm," and then God forgave him, put him in a spell. Uh, Belly of the fish And then he prayed And uh, God said Okay you want further deliverance I'll give you a chance So the fish uh, spat him on the land And God responded to signs of repentance with grace He almost always does that Because that is his nature God is love God is uh, merciful And Jonah was happy when God forgave him But he was not so when God forgave the Assyrians. Now that was inconsistent, right? You know why? Because he thought that if God is too good to somebody else, that means he cannot be that good to me. Somehow he felt that God's mercy is like a zero-sum game. It's like a fixed-size cake, that if somebody gets more, somebody else must get less. And if you add it up, plus one, minus one, sum is zero, zero zero-sum game. That was the worldview behind Marxism in economics. Um, If you believe that natural resource is limited, and if somebody gets more, somebody else must get less okay, and uh, in a sense, it's true, natural resource is limited. But on the other hand, there are so many unknown resources that beyond our knowledge. Once you let people work for themselves, they will develop the new ways and technologies and they will find much, much more resources. Um, for example, the, uh, uh, the shale oil, it was, we knew it existed, but it was not counted in America's oil reserve because it's too costly to get them out however when somebody invented the technology of fracking and now suddenly our oil reserve increased by the amount greater than the known amount of Saudi Arabia so it's now new resource you see it, the natural resource even though in a census reserve it's it's um, limited. However, our knowledge is so limited. It c- our knowledge can increase, and therefore, useless things can become useful. Okay, wealth can be created from nothing to something. Okay, it's not a really zero-sum game. So when somebody gets more, it does not necessarily mean somebody else are exploited and get get less of what they deserve. You see, that reasoning does not stand because it's a false assumption on a natural resource how about if you apply that assumption on God is God's mercy limited? No is God finite or infinite? God is infinite, right? He can be good to somebody while also be good to somebody else there's no limit, okay? They are not exclusive Actually, in this case, God being good to the Assyrians, forgiving their sins so that they will repent of their cruelty, it actually is, at the same time, being good to Israel. Think about it. Israel was sinful. It must be judged, right? If God does not judge this sin, Israel will forever stay in sin, and that's no good, right? So, the sin must be judged. And God must use somebody to judge it, since there's nobody other than Israel as the people of God. God has used some pagan nations. Right? Habakkuk asked God, God, our nation is so corrupt now, why don't you judge these guilty people in our leadership? And God says, Yes, I'm going to do that. I have chosen the Babylonians to judge you. And then he said, Habakkuk said, "No, that's not right. That's 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 not fair because these people are worse than us. At least we have we believe the right God and they believe the wrong gods. You know why don't you just from ourselves choose some good people so we can make them our leaders and then we will be totally right. But that's not God's way, and God's told." Habakkuk, you see, I chose the Babylonians to judge you, but you, if you are righteous, that means you believe me, so be faithful. The righteous shall live by faith, not only in obtaining the righteousness by believing in God, but also in staying as the the people of God by keep. Being faithful okay the righteous shall live by faith it's not just entering the status of people of God but you know uh, salvation by faith but also staying it by keep on believing being faithful okay so you be faithful during the judgment and then after the judgment I will judge the Babylonians for their sins against you and then what did uh, Habakkuk say I will rejoice even when my home is devoid of food and so on so on. So he committed to be faithful. Okay. He knew that God is infinitely good and uh, even in judgment in suffering God is still good. By that faith he could maintain his faithfulness. Okay. Don't we feel similarly in our case, you know? In our country we feel the country is corrupt. There are so many evil going on. We deserve judgment. We knew that. But what do you feel when the judgment actually comes? Do you like it? No, we hate it. We hate it. We don't. We we want righteousness. We want judgment on sin. But when it actually happens on our country and it influences our life, we hate it. Okay, we don't like it. Okay, and that kind of contradiction of your mind and your heart cause you to be really struggling. Okay, there is a conflict from within. We can really be as um, twisted within as Jonah was at that time. Okay, we say our countries have problems What God judge the sins please send the righteous people stand up and we'll elect them to the higher offices and then we'll be right God says no I've chosen Al-Qaeda to judge you Okay. I've chosen the, the illegal immigrants to judge you Okay. and uh, so what do you feel? don't like it right? but does god have a good purpose behind this yes is he right in doing this yes can you stay faithful even when you are part of the people who suffer can you yes you can if you believe god as simply good okay so jonah he's twisted within and that's natural. You can identify with him because we're just in his situation. Jonah represents Israel of Jesus' day, who did not want to share divine grace and favor with others. In Matthew 18, Jesus uh, said a parable, and he said a king was trying to clear up his accounts, and he called one servant saying, you need to pay me back this many, many money. Uh, and um, he said, oh, I'm sorry, I cannot pay. And the king said, okay, i forgive you but this servant went and demanded money from people who owed him and then he was punished because he should have shown mercy as much as he had received mercy okay and uh and actually jesus requested in a sermon amount after your salvation the fifth uh um blessing he said after your salvation you will receive mercy as much as you show mercy So, um, the people who have been under God's grace may not necessarily demonstrate grace, and that's wrong, and that will be judged. And um, Jonah knew that uh, and could cite scriptures to prove God's position and heart. And in chapter 1, verse 9, he said, I worship the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. So, God was the great creator and ruler he quoted Genesis 1 he is, in chapter 2 verse 9c he says salvation is of the Lord so it's God who decides whom he saves the judgment is righteous since everybody is a sinner everybody deserves judgment it, he God is always righteous when he judges but when he wants to save whomever he saves is his sovereignty he chooses whomever He saves and he says salvation is of the Lord I know God is you who decide so I put myself in your hands pray for your mercy he knew God was sovereign and then he knew God was merciful in verse 42 he quoted two verses actually to prove that God is merciful so this guy he knew the bible okay he attended awana okay he memorized the verses okay the problem is the knowledge is that used in renewing the mind seeing things from god's perspective not quite in his case okay and uh, let's read the um, chapter four Um, verses 1 to 3, I think. Um, But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to for." Stall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Okay. Jonah explained why he disobeyed God in the first place. For God might be too good to the Assyrians who once forgiven would rise and threaten Israel. Okay? He knew God was a merciful and compassionate God. And he quoted not only from Exodus 34, 6, but the form he quoted seems to be uh, from Joel 2:13 to 14. And so he knew the Bible back and forth. And he 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 knew God's personality and character however when it conflicts with his personal feelings he doesn't want that to apply to others God is too good to others and he thought that means he's less good to me and that's based on a false assumption right zero-sum game and uh, thinking the chains do not follow God is like a player of chess he knows all of the steps right We just said, forgiving Assyrians actually is good for the Israelites. But he couldn't see that. You see, our mind is finite. We couldn't understand God. We have feelings. We make conflict with our understanding of God's work. What would you do? Jonah was twisted so much that he was angry. And then Jonah, he made himself the counsel of God's will. Uh, He knew God's heart. That's great. But he thought he can also direct God's will. And that's wrong. He usurped God's sovereignty and misunderstood God's heart. As if God can be only good to his chosen people and not anybody else. No, God is good to all people. He loves all people. There may be different levels. His chosen people are special. But everybody is loved because God is love. And he couldn't get it. He blessed others by causing them to obey, but he missed the blessing himself by obedience. See, Every believer should be a servant of God. You could bless others if you serve God, but you might actually miss the blessing. Okay? And that's a tragedy. Okay? And uh, um, since he made himself the counsel of God's will, and when he was not heard by his master, Jonah rather die than live. He was trying to follow the examples of Ahithophel and Elijah. Ahithophel, do you remember Ahithophel? He's a little less known figure. Uh, Ahithophel was a counsel to David, and uh, his word his word was regarded as the word of God because his counsel were always wise, and whatever he predicts comes true. Okay, and. Uh, Uh, However, Hithophel happens to be the father of Elim, uh, E-L-I-M, who happened to be the father of Bathsheba, and you know what happened to Bathsheba, right? She was married to Uriah the Hittite. And then David saw him while David refused to go out to, to war. And he slept all day long, went, uh, woke up in the evening, walked on the roof and saw Bathsheba bathing. And he had fleshly temptations. He succumbed to it. He brought Bathsheba to be with him simply because he could. And uh, he possessed her and then became a murderer. Okay, So Bathsheba even though she was willing, she had no choice, right? This if affair was the fault of David, okay? And uh, apparently, Ahithophel was very angry with David. So later, when David's son, uh, Absalom, rebelled against David, Ahithophel joined the rebellion. He became the advisor for for Absalom, and uh, he gave Absalom a, advice, a very good one: pursue your father. Okay, before he could regroup, capture him and kill him. But Absalom listened to somebody else—a um, uh, Hush, or something—he he, a spy of David—and then he didn't listen to Ahithophel, and Ahithophel felt, oh, he's going to lose. Okay, so he hung himself. Rather than living, he chose to die. Because his pride was heard. His words were not listened. Okay? Ahithophel was a bad example. But he, he was a bad person. He was a person less than Jonah. But there's certain similarity. Okay? The pride was involved. And another person was Elijah. In First Kings, um, Elijah uh, once prayed to die. Because he felt the battle with Baalism was endless. Uh, he was empowered by God and had the great battle with the ba- Baal's uh, priests on Mount Carmel. And God sent rain when he prayed and didn't when the others prayed. So that totally proved that the Baalism is a farce. And uh, the king, he thought, should repent, right? Well, the king... Ahab was ambivalent, but the queen was more resolute than ever to persecute Elijah. Jezebel was a stone, we call it a stone from the bathroom, um, Chinese bathroom. Okay. So hard and stinky. <laughs> and uh, Americans don't understand this, you know, if you go to China and you have to squat, in the Chinese bathroom, you will know what is a rock in the Chinese bathroom. It's hard and stinky. Okay, so that's Jezebel. Okay, and uh, uh, Elijah, who was a faithful servant of God, but he had a limited patience, and he fell into despair, and he um, probably fell into depression. He went. To a cave, and God had to speak him to the small voice, you know, and um, gradually to to promise, to ask him to be faithful, and to transfer the duty to Elijah, okay, and be ready to leave. Okay, but anyway, Elijah once prayed to die. Elijah, I think, was a better servant of God than Jonah. He um, was weak, but he was not rebellious. Now Jonah was rebellious. Okay, so anyway there's still something in there in similarity that these people they all had a pride they want things to go their way and if it doesn't go their way they blame it on god and they rather die uh, than living because they felt no sense of living and jonah uh, felt god was too good to others and also he felt god is not good enough to him when God now challenged the rationality and consistency of jo- Jonah's mind, Jonah did something. Let's read verses four to um, six, I think four. The Lord said, "Do not have good reason. Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God appointed a piano. A piano? Plant. What am I saying? I don't know. I'm jumping. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Lord appointed appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. And it came about when the Sun came up that God appointed a scorching east wind and the Sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die saying death is better to me than life okay. God says do you have good reason to be angry Jonah You see, I applied mercy when you showed signs of repentance. Why shouldn't I apply mercy to the Assyrians who showed more signs of repentance? Just think about it. Use your brain. Shouldn't I be consistent? Do you have good reason to be angry? Well, uh, Jonah's reaction was going up to a mount east of Nineveh, he knew in what way the city will will fall. Somehow a river dam will break and it w- it will flood the city. This is what happened um, 100 years later. Okay, but he <laughs> he prayed to die, but he went on the mountain so that he won't be in the flood. Was he consistent? Again, not. Okay, so he was waiting for the city to fall. He still hoped for that. Why? Because he when he prophesied he only gave the message of doom and it withheld the message of mercy and now if it doesn't fall he would be proven as a at least marked as a false prophet his reputation is on the line and now when you put your own reputation over god's sovereignty you have a problem with with priority right and uh, uh, his patriotic feeling and personal reputation was more important than God's heart and sovereign will. And that was his fault. Okay? So God, rather than getting angry and respond, you know, when our children are irascible, sometimes we respond with anger. Um, but God is a better parent here. When Jonah behaved, the adult servant of God behaved like a child, God behaved like a very mature father so he was patient he gave he knew the person could not reason so he gave an illustration okay when people are irrational and emotion takes control over reason they cannot they cannot do rational thinking they don't have spirituality so the only thing they feel is physical love so, God demonstrated physical love for him. Okay? And he felt it. God let Jonah uh, see a magic bean. <laughs> it grow up. Remember Disney movie? A magic bean. Grow up. Okay. So, God sent a plant. The plant... Um, It was probably something supernatural, but if it's natural, it will be something like a gourd or a castor oil plant, which is called ricinus. They all have big leaves, and that can provide shade. Anyway, God sent a plant, appointed a plant that grew up quickly and covered the head of Jonah from the sun. And Jonah, I think, after so much trial, probably lost a lot of hair, and he liked the shade. And uh, he felt the physical love. Okay? But God let that plant die the next day by appointing a worm. <laughs> the plant died and fell. And then God appointed a scorching east wind. Well, in the Middle East, in Israel, they all knew the great sea is from the west. If the western wind is cool with rain, if the eastern wind is from the desert, is hot. So God appointed a eastern wind, and then God appointed the sun to really scorch on the bald head of ego uh, of ego bald eagle no of Jonah. Okay, then Jonah experienced emotional up and down. Okay, he, he experienced highs. A lot of people experience trying to seek highs uh, as ways to experience God. Well. It's one of the ways, and it's not a lasting way. Okay, remember Peter experienced many highs on the figure of trans- transfiguration, uh, mount of transfiguration, and then in the valley. Okay, <laughs> he had the highs of recognizing Jesus as the Son of God, the Messiah, and then had the blows when Jesus said, "Satan, behind me, get behind me." You see, um, both in both situations, you get to know God. Okay. Jonah experienced that high, and now he experiences a low. And uh, when he was in the trial, he, uh, he um, prayed uh, differently than he did in the fish's belly. He prayed as a prodigal son in the fish's belly, trying to be saved. He prayed to be saved. Okay? But now he prayed like the elder brother. Okay? He would rather die than living in a world where God is sovereign, and uh, his will is done, and it disagrees with my will. He doesn't want to live in that world. Okay? And um, God challenged again the rationality and consistency of Jonah's anger. In verse 9, what, let's see, 4-9. Uh, uh, then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. God again asks him to please use your mind, think, okay? I have to be consistent. God is the ultimate reality. He is also the ultimate truth, right? Jesus says, I am the truth, right? What is truth? Truth is whatever exists in the subjective world that agrees accurately with the objective world. That's reality. Truth always agrees with reality. And truth is always consistent. Okay. So, God has to be consistent, right? God is the creator of both the objective world and the, our subjective world, right? Since He's a creator, He must c- cover all the worlds. The creator is greater than anything that creates. True? Right? Okay. So, He covers both the objective and sub- subjective world. So, He's both the reality and the truth. Since He is the truth, He must be consistent. God is love, He must love all people. Okay, so he's asking Jonah to think and Jonah when the emotion take over he couldn't and he became irascible he just says I am I have good reason you know even to die even though he carefully went upon the mountain <laughs> so when the flood comes possibly that he wouldn't die you see um, he was totally inconsistent okay and uh, what do we see? If your children behave like that and speak like Jonah to God, to you, what would you do? Go to your room, okay? Take away your 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 iPad just today. Well, in order in China, the parents would say, bend over, okay? <laughs> or older generation parents in America would do that too. You know, He will let the children to see stars and stripes. You know? <laughs> okay, they Stripes so that it will see stars. Okay? But that's not working these days. The parents might be sued. Okay? So the children are more spoiled than ever. But anyway, um, human parents would react with anger too. Unfortunately, sometimes we still do, but when we shouldn't. But God didn't. Just look at how patient he was. Uh, I call you to observe that God was called the Lord, or Yahweh, or Jehovah, in 4, 1 to 5, and 10 to 11. But in the middle, 4, 7 to 9, he was called God, Elohim. And both in 4, 6. So, in other words, God played the role of the merciful and the faithful one to Israel throughout the book. You know the meaning of, the, of God's names, right? Yahweh uh, means the eternal one, means to be. Okay, He was, and he is, and he will ever be. God says, I am who I am, right? So God always is. He is eternal. Since he is eternal, he is also faithful. Because whatever he promised long ago, he remembers. And he will f- fulfill in the end. So when you say God is the eternal one, you're also saying he is the faithful one he is good he is merciful to israel whatever he promised to abraham it will be realized okay that's all it, the connotations when you say god when you mention the name yahweh okay but there's another name uh, elohim el itself means god elohim is a plural but it here it doesn't mean gods it's a plural of majesty it means the supreme majestic god it's a some some uh, uh, in some sense, it says, the Almighty. Okay? So, when you mention the word Elohim, it means the Almighty One. So, when God did this miracle, small miracle, of letting, you know, plant a magic bean, and let it grow up to be a gourd, or castor oil plant, to cover, and then let it die, that's a miracle. When God does a miracle, He is the Almighty One. Alright? So, when He's Almighty, you should do what? You should fear Him. Right, And when he is the faithful one, you should do what? You should trust in him. Right? So God has played a role of the faithful and merciful one throughout the, the, the book to Jonah. Basically saying, trust me. Don't rebel. Don't distrust. Okay? Trust in me. And uh, he wouldn't get it. And finally, God played the role of the almighty one. <laughs> he did a miracle. And he said, fear me. Okay. and Jonah still wouldn't get it, what did God do, did he say, I will show my anger, no, he's back to this merciful and faithful one, he's back to be called the Lord, Yahweh, okay, and uh, God demonstrated that he is the almighty and sovereign one in the episode of the gourd in verses 6 to 9. But he reappeared as the merciful uh, and faithful one when giving the final open question in the last two verses. So let's read verses um, 10 to 11. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow which came up overnight and perish overnight should i not have compassion on nineveh the great city in which there are more than 120000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals okay. god asked jonah to apply consistency in verse 10 okay he said you Had compassion on this plant which you did not work but it's it blessed you but what about me okay if you had mercy on the plant why shouldn't I have mercy on the people if you have mercy on this plant which it did not do work on why shouldn't I have mercy on these people which I am working on you see so he's asking Jonah to be consistent to think Okay? And then God explained that he must be consistent. His good and loving heart is for all people, not Israel alone. He says, Look, the compassion, I, should I not have compassion on Nineveh where there are so 120,000 people who don't know left hand than right hand? And that could mean that these are ch- just a number of children. Okay? And if you had 120,000 children, you have probably three times more adults. Okay, so that's a great metroplex of people, half a million people almost. And uh, he says, why, and plus the animals. He said, why shouldn't I have compassion on them if you want me to have compassion on you? So what is God expressing? He's saying, don't you know, just believe I am simply good. Don't make me to be just good to you and not to others. There's not zero-sum game, right? Just believe I am good and trusting me. Okay. And uh, so Jonah uh, ended with an open question. This is very peculiar. In the Bible there are only two books that ended with open questions. In this book it says um, Why shouldn't I apply mercy when there are so many people? Children and animals who don't even know good and evil. Okay, Shouldn't I be hesitant in sending judgment? Okay, And uh, in the book of Nahum, it also ended with an open question. And that book is also talking about the judgment of Assyria. If you open Nahum, uh, just turn a few pages. Um, after Jonah, it was Micah and it was Nahum. Uh, Nahum um, 3.19 says, There is no relief for your breakdown. Your wound is incurable. All who hear about you would clap their hands over you. For on whom has not your evil passed continually? On whom has not your evil passed continually? This is talking about Assyria. He said, Has there any country that you have not done your evil on? That means, Why shouldn't I? Do my justice you see two books all on Assyria one is saying, why shouldn't I withhold my judgment and the other says why shouldn't I apply my judgment one is saying why shouldn't I show mercy the other side why shouldn't I so show justice see only God knows what's the right moment or time of judgment that's why Jesus says judge not unless you want to be judged as you have done okay because you don't know what is the right amount or timing or way so the best way is to leave the judgment to God and just simply be good and merciful to those who don't deserve it Okay, and uh, God is good so he was reluctant in judgment but God is just so his judgment are resolute when he gives it okay now uh the parable of the two lost sons in luke 15 is another part of the bible that ends with an uh, open invitation uh the it was actually a story of two lost sons not one prodigal son there are two lost sons okay one lost son was an explicit sinner the other was a hidden sinner. The explicit sinner actually has more opportunity coming to his senses than the hidden sinner because of self-righteousness. Okay, And uh, when the explicit sinner came to his senses, he actually came with the work salvation. He said, if I can become your... Uh, hired hands i may earn money and might redeem the land and i return the land to you and then you might restore my sonship but the father did not wait till he say that the father before the son said that the father hugged the son put the robe on him put the ring on him gave him the sandal and that all means he restored the sonship no works the works is later okay it's all grace okay so once this Explicit sinner was saved. The other ex- hidden sinner was actually unhappy because he felt that he has done so many good and he was not rewarded enough. You know? And I feel that there are many Christians who have been um, blessed but did not count on it. Okay? Some, there are two kinds of Christians, I, I think, in a sense, that uh, some become Christian as an adult. And uh, they have lived a corrupt and uh, life, a corrupt life, and suffered a lot. And uh, afterwards, they had a dramatic turn, and they have a good story to tell. It's dramatic, and uh, praise God, that's good. My story is like that. But there are many who grew up in a Christian country. They never, not believed. They kind of always believed, and they actually suffered less of um, suffering um, because they have not done less foolish things. And that should be counted as blessing rather than saying God God where's my such great story you know shouldn't i shouldn't I be just bad and so I can experience your goodness no that would be foolish right so when you have been blessed, count it and praise God be grateful rather than complaining okay? and uh, um, we r- Christians these days we really need to think whether or not we are feeling like the uh, the elder brother, okay, and uh, which is the Pharisees of that day, okay. Um, we should join the party for the father's honor, celebrating the salvation of the prodigal son, which represents the Gentiles and the open sinners. Okay, and uh, when we are judged for our sins, we should rejoice that in the process, actually, righteousness, righteousness is withheld, and. Uh, many sinners actually come into faith okay. and uh, if we don't rejoice with God for the salvation of people we thought that, that are beyond salvation, if we don't rejoice with God, then we need to repent okay. no matter how bad people are, when they repent we should join in Okay. if God is now in a sense judging this country by illegal immigrants why shouldn't we think that this is God's way of bringing these people into the kingdom of God by letting them know the truth and get away from their false religions before if you think from that way you will rejoice and if you rejoice you may have a right to think about the leg- legality if you don't rejoice for that you don't have a right thinking the other way okay so what can we learn from this number one the proud and selfish want God to be good to them but not too good to others and the servants of God can bless others but miss the less blessing themselves so don't be like Jonah and God is both good to his chosen or elect and to all people there may be different levels but he is good to all people and God is both good and sovereign. We should understand His heart, but let Him direct His own will. Okay. And we should know God's heart, but uh, do not direct God's will. Okay. Already said that. Do we rejoice at the repentance of the wicked? And if we not, we must repent ourselves because we are buying into self-righteousness. So, repent, rejoice. And God will bless. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us this wonderful book and uh, this wonderful chapter. And Lord, we so much identify with Jonah as our country is corrupt and needs uh, judgment to be cleansed. We don't like it in our heart. Even though our mind knows that it is necessary. So Lord, as we are twisted from within, may you let your Holy Spirit to cleanse us, to straighten us, to let us understand that you are simply good. You are never too good to anybody. You, when you are good to someone, you are also in your infinite steps good to others and uh, you are good to your chosen people in the old testament it was israel in the new testament it's the church and uh, both ch- kind of chosen people are blessed by you and we need to count your blessings lord and we need to rejoice even when we are judged and because if we have tr- the true faith we will trust that whatever you have done it is always for the good purpose of blessing your chosen people and make us know who you are so that we may join you in heart in mind and in action may you make us so to bless your name in jesus name we pray amen